scores! Mark Stone, short-handed goal. Took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Broadcasting live from Section 104, T-Mobile Arena, getting set for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Los Angeles Kings. The completion of a two games in two nights set between the two Pacific Division rivals. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings won last night in Salt Lake City. Tonight they return to the Las Vegas Strip and uh, looking forward to uh, see what uh, Pete DeBoer offers up uh, from a lineup perspective as the front half of this exhibition schedule and training camp uh, comes into play. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace here in uh, T-Mobile Arena and uh, back at the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio is Chris Chapman. Uh, this is going to be a, a sort of a turning of the page uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights and if you're going to, if you're one of those prospects, uh, one of those bubble guys and you're lucky enough to be in the lineup tonight you better make something happen tonight yeah it's a big game and and it's one where i think you're able to tangibly show something based on what your coach's comments were last night and this morning you you have an opportunity to prove that you're hearing what the messaging messaging is and then you go out there and you do something about it this is a big game for any of the young players that are in the lineup because they can make a big impact not just in how they play the game on the ice with plays but how they approach it from a work perspective a response perspective Uh, showing the coach that you're paying attention that you can react, that you can turn it up, and uh, and you can make things happen in, in that scenario. Uh, Robin Leonard played last night for two periods. Uh, his ailment is deemed to be uh, not uh, that serious. They they took him out of the goal for precautionary measures. Uh, I don't know whether that affects how you would play Laurent Bressois with, with four preseason games left. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon told us last night on the VGK Insider Show that he expected uh, Leonard to get a lot of work next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, would be two of the three games. But if he's banged up, nicked up, uh, uh, would you play your backup a, a little bit more uh, in the next four games uh, just to make sure that Brassois is comfortable in case you have to lean on him in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this stretch right now for Laurent Brossois as, as a great opportunity to get himself sharp and ready to go going into the regular season because as we've talked about, this schedule this year is pretty condensed in the back half. But early on for the Golden Knights, first month of the season, October, things are pretty well spread out. So the more work, in my opinion, Brossois can get over the course of, of these next, the, the next four or five games, the better because mm-hmm. you've got a guy that's going to see some some teams that are, are tuning up for the regular season and if you can get him a couple of a couple more starts maybe a start tonight a start sometime next week that that's probably where i think he should be going into the regular season because again you're going to need both guys you're going to need to lean on both guys both leonard and brassois in this season you might as well have him as sharp as possible. Uh, it's been uh, interesting to watch how they've uh, used their goaltenders uh, during the course of the exhibition schedule. A couple of the younger guys were backing up but not expected to play. Dylan Ferguson did get into that game mm-hmm. last night. Uh, but you really have your, your top three in Leonard, Brassois, and Logan Thompson. Yeah. Uh, does Logan Thompson, who got into 
game number one. Does he see another period or two? Uh, I'm not sure. Do you just load up and try to get your top two going, pending health availability? Uh, I'm more towards that side mm-hmm. because Thompson's going to have an American Hockey League training camp where he can get into more game action, and Ferguson, uh, same type of thing. Uh, they can get some of their, their reps in, in that regard. Uh, it's more about watching your tandem, your top tandem, make sure that they're fresh and ready and dialed in for the start of the regular season. This would be the game in which I would give to somebody not named Brassois or Leonard. Yeah. From from here yeah. on out, if it, like if, if you don't give like this, week. if you don't give that, well, what I'm saying is I wouldn't have a goaltender other than those two start the rest of the way. Like I, I think that, as you mentioned, you want to try to get this tandem as dialed in and tuned up as possible going into the regular season. This would be the last game where I would say, okay, Logan Thompson, you get a start, right. or Dylan Ferguson, you get a start. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Knights, from, from this point forward, go with one of Brassois or Leonard as, as the main goaltender because you, you need them ready to go. And dress them both, right? Yeah, like, I, like I would too. I would treat it like a game. I would treat it like a regular season game. Now, if, if Brassois doesn't go tonight, Leonard's not going to play tonight. Yeah. He's made one start. Brassois made one start. If Brassois doesn't go tonight and you do load up with uh, with Leonard next week, it might mean that he only gets two two starts with his new team before the regular season starts. It's a softer schedule from a uh, compacted standpoint mm-hmm. for the Golden Knights in the first couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know how much he'll get in, in in that stretch. I wonder if you go the other way and play Bristol lot tonight I, I, I think it's yeah. Thompson or Bristol but uh. yeah sure I again I, I think that you you want to try to to get Brassois comfortable right and and you know after his his start for the Vegas Golden Knights Pete DeBoer talked about some exchanges just getting comfortable moving the right. puck to his defenseman the only way that's going to really improve as much as you want to work on it in practice, is getting into a game situation, having those reads come at you in real time, and figuring out how to work. So uh, I think the more games you can get him into, the better. I'm saying if there was a game to give to someone else, it would be this one. I don't know that I would do that. I think you want to have as many reps as you can for Brassois coming into the organization new, and you you want to get Robin Leonard some tune-up games ready to go for opening night. I know he got hurt last night and is not going to be able to play tonight. But Nick Waugh, I, I watched play a little bit on the power play last night and did a nice job in that bumper spot, that high spot. I, I, I thought there was some, some real skill and some real uh, delivery there. Well, with, with Nick Waugh, and, and you and I have talked about him quite a bit, he's got hands. He's mm-hmm. got skill. He has really good hockey sense. So, you know, kind of putting him in that spot where things can open up, lanes can open up, he can utilize some of that that creativity in his game that we know he has, I think it's a good spot for him. Is it going to likely translate to to Nick Waugh getting time on the power play in the regular season? Likely not, but if you have to... But if, know, he can, if he can play that spot, that opens up a whole bunch of variables for Nick Waugh to be elevated through the lineup, and that, that bumper position. And that's the interesting thing, because you're looking for a way to maximize what you do on the power play. If you find a player that kind of fits, and it it's not traditionally, like you, you don't often see a guy that, that you expect to be on your fourth line 
on your power play. Right. But if it works, and if he is, it, it's usually in front of the net. Exactly. And, but if it works, because the the skill levels there is the dis, the distribution and the 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 synergy is there, then that's a that's a net positive for the Golden Knights, and it could be something that, as you mentioned, elevates Nick Waugh beyond just the fourth line center for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, ongoing uh, rehearsal by the Golden Bells getting ready for tonight's challenge by the LA Kings against the Vegas Golden Knights. Just part of working our way through it, getting used to uh, the vibe inside T-Mobile Arena. Darren Millard, Brian Wallace in Section 104. Chris Chapman back at Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. We're on location uh, preparing for Game 4 of this preseason for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Nick Waugh has also shown an ability in the shootout. Do you think we get another practice shootout tonight? We're three for three so far. Um, I I feel like we're kind of beyond that stage now. Yeah. I, I really do. It's it's awkward and weird. Like, don't get me wrong. I totally understand the reason why you do it. You, you cannot rec replicate the atmosphere. You cannot replicate what it's going to be like to have a shootout in the regular season in practice. You just can't do it. But that being said, it's just weird to do it after a game that's already been decided. Even though it's all practice, even though it doesn't mean anything, even though there's there's no real consequence to winning and losing right now, it's just awkward. I can't get into it. I try, I can't. I was sitting near the uh, the exit for the players last night uh, at the end of the game, and the the game ends, and they open up the gate, and they had to go over and say, no, 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 they're, they're going to stay out for, for a shootout. So they shut the gate. And fans, uh, as they announced the as the shootout, they didn't say it was going to be like a practice shootout. Mm -hmm. They didn't say uh, anything along the line of this is just for a repetition. It came off as this is what you do. And I said to the person that I was standing beside, I said, uh, you know, everybody in here now thinks that you have to win by three in the National Hockey League <laughs> to, 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 get, to, to actually get a victory. People, they, were, they were utterly confused. Nobody was informed that it was just, just a rehearsal sure, yeah. uh, for the shootout. It was, great. It was, it was quite funny uh, to, to be watching the fans and, and go through it. Most of them stuck around for it. But uh, it, was, uh, it was fascinating. What do you think of Ferguson? when he went in um I, I thought he did well I, I thought he tried to make himself big he made a couple of saves um you got a break on I think the first shot uh might have got crossed up a little bit but made the save yeah. and that's a great vibe because you think oh stuff's gonna go my way a little bit sure yeah i i mean i i think he battled hard yeah right? like and that's kind of what you what you're hoping for for a young guy that didn't expect to play you know what i mean you come in you just try to get through the period make make that next save that's in front of you, and he, I thought he did well. Uh, third appearance, he said, after the game uh, in an NHL exhibition game for Dylan Ferguson, who spelled off Robin Leonard last night in the preseason defeat against the Los Angeles Kings. Vegas will try to even up their record at 2-2 two and two tonight during the exhibition schedule. Our top five at five hits its top point tonight. Number one position for guarantees in this VGK and National Hockey League season. Let's go Vegas first. Alright. Number one. You said Golden Knights first, correct? Yes. 
The number one guarantee of the 2021-22 season for the Vegas Golden Knights is that they will win the Pacific Division. Went out on a limb there, buddy. That's why it's called a guarantee. It's the, like, lock it down, put it in the bank, uh, mm-hmm. and, yep. and, and when you open up the time capsule in 50 years, yep. you will not be wrong in predicting that the Vegas Golden Knights will win the regular season pennant for the Pacific Division in this National Hockey League campaign. It's, it doesn't feel close either. Like, it, it doesn't feel like going into the season there's a team that's really going to push Vegas. Now, a lot can change. There are teams that have come out of nowhere before. We're going to talk about another one of those teams in the Pacific Division here in a minute. But, um, like, for me, the Golden Knights on paper, top to bottom, are just so, so good. And we know how good they are in the regular season. We know the winning percentage that Pete DeBoer has as head coach of this team. They have gotten deeper up front. They are about the same as they were on defense. Just maybe you look for Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig and Dylan Coughlin to take a step. So maybe you look at the the defense at the end of the year and say they're a little bit better there. And then goaltending is, is always going to be and has been a strong point for this team. There are no holes here. There really aren't. You look at the power play, I think it's going to be better with the additions made in the offseason by Kelly McCrimmon. I just think this team is going to make the regular season look the same way that it did last year. And at times it looked easy for Vegas. I think that that's what we're going to see from them tonight or this, this year. It's going to be a team that is dialed in and focused and ready to go and claim another division title. One thing worries me, and it is... What happens if there's a challenge? What happens if Edmonton plays great and it's close? Mm-hmm. Because we, we are on record saying it's a lock that the Golden Knights will win the Pacific Division. If it is close, if it, there is a challenge, don't panic. Because it probably has more to do with Edmonton being fantastic or Calgary being fantastic than it will anything involving the Vegas Golden Knights giving it back. I'm I'm, I'm that confident in what Vegas will do in taking care of their own business, uh, but that doesn't allow or take away that that Edmonton Oilers could get off to a brilliant start and, and... force the issue a little bit i mean when i look at it i look at what happened with vegas and colorado last year i think a push isn't necessarily a bad thing it elevates vegas's game a little bit i personally would love to see the edmonton oil might be a good thing right yeah any team in the pacific division i would like to see them get out to a good start and push vegas a little bit in the same way that I think Colorado and Vegas were playing a game against themselves against the rest of their divisions when they were when they were trying to to win top spot in the NHL. I think competition's healthy. Competition drives you to be better. I would like to see the Golden Knights be pushed a little bit in the Pacific Division. What scares me is I don't think they're going to. Do you think if Edmonton, Calgary, one of those two teams would be the likely source of a push? Do you think it'll tighten people up a little bit? And and by saying that, I say I encourage people don't don't put the focus on the VGK if it's not you know if they struggle out of the gate, yeah. 
but I mm-hmm. don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but don't panic if somebody else gets off to a blazing start. I mean, I, I think that Edmonton's the likely answer because you've got Connor McDavid off of, off of what he did last year, and I think a motivated Connor McDavid to prove that it wasn't just because he was playing in the Canadian division that he was able to go absolutely bananas on the NHL. Do you and see what he did the other night? He put the puck around a player on the other side mm-hmm. and then caught up to it. by So he went right, the yep. puck went left, yep. and then he just met up with the puck on the other side and, and threw it home. It, it was a play I mean, that, he's, that like three players in the league can make, and he did it just with, with deception and then with speed, which is unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, Connor's in, in a league of his own, and, and in terms of getting off to a fast start, if Connor's in meet in midseason form and he's just taking over games, the Edmonton Oilers should be the likely team to push the Golden Knights early. I, you know how I feel about Edmonton. I think that they're a playoff team. I don't like their goaltending, and I don't think their defense is particularly good. But Connor McDavid has made up for that before. I don't see any reason why he's not going to make up for it again this year. You know, their goalie could be on Team Canada. He could be an Olympic goaltender. Is he going to play? Is he going to play? I don't know. Would would you would you think he'd, he'd play right now? I think it's wide open I, right now Yeah. for, for Team Canada. It's going to be an interesting bet between you and I. I hope he I hope he makes it. Oh, because you want. Yeah, to, I hope yeah, he makes it. Cheer, cheer team, yes. Yeah, let's go. I, Mike Smith, I, starting goalie, Canada. Let's Mike go. Mike Smith went to the Olympics in 2010 and yeah. or 2014 in Sochi mm-hmm. and is uh, is kind of is on the radar. I know he, I know they're old. Uh, the the goaltenders for for Team Canada, but nobody else has stepped up. This if he gets off to a great start, part of that Edmonton Oilers. A rocket ship out of the gate. If mm-hmm. that happens and pushes the Golden Knights, then yeah, you could see him making a push. All the attentions on Connor McDavid. Now the number one guarantee with the National Hockey League, Chapman. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel alright. The number one league-wide guarantee is that the Seattle Kraken will fall short, how short? Well short, of the inaugural season the Golden Knights had in 2017-18. So what is well short? Um, for me, falling well short is not even being in playoff contention, say, from March on. Yeah, I, I think they're in playoff contention. Uh They'll, they'll have to mull over whether they add at the deadline to try and make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they're in that mix to be able to to be able to see a, a route to the Stanley Cup postseason. I don't think they make it. Didn't, you, didn't you have them in your five worst teams in the league? Yeah, I don't think I don't think they make it. Which well, which, well right, but I mean we're talking when you say five worst teams in the league, we're talking about like historically bad. Right? Well, no. You can be you, the five worst teams last year weren't historically bad. The the bottom how, two were. But how many but, were in in playoff contention come the trade deadline? Well, Ottawa had like two more, okay. two less wins than Montreal. And Montreal made the playoffs. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's the wrong comparison to make. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs>
gotta love hockey. <laughs> yeah. Parody. Parody. But no, I, I can see them in the mix, but I don't see them making it and and falling out. I I see Ron Francis loading up at the deadline just to make the playoffs. But I think that the conversation will happen. Whether or not he should <laughs> add at the deadline. In fact, I predict that the Veg or the Seattle Kraken will probably sell off. Will sell off, no, probably there uh, at the deadline, uh, and and recoup some some draft picks. They didn't get a, a lot of the the side deals that no. Vegas got. No, in the expansion draft, I think they'll try to do some of that work uh, at the trade deadline this year, which will cause them to fall back a little bit. So. Every time I look at the, the roster for the Seattle Kraken, I keep coming back to the same thought. I like their defense. Mm-hmm. I like their goaltending. Who the heck's going to score goals? And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's the only thing that I say, who's going to score goals for this team? Are they going to get a breakout star like the Golden Knights had in William Carlson? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I tend to believe no. It's but. funny you bring that up, though, because when I left the expansion draft in this building, mm-hmm. That night, yeah, I had that conversation with somebody. Sure, who's going to score for this team? Right, and, and you find a way, and and that's the thing. Like I, because I was in it, because I was here every game, because I saw that team grow from a team that no one really thought was going to do much to all of a sudden a team that's got great confidence and and one that was on their way to the playoffs, on their way to a division title, on their way to a Stanley Cup final, because I saw it happen when it was unlikely to be so, I have a hard time I have a hard time writing off Seattle. Not that you're writing them off or not that, that this guarantee is writing them off. I'm writing them off for this year. Okay, you can write them off. I'm not there yet because the same thing that I'm saying about Seattle now is what I said about Vegas. Does it happen two times in a row with an expansion team? Lightning can strike twice. It happens. I mean, is it is it more likely to happen? Probably not. Mm. Is it is it more likely Seattle will be a regular expansion team that that just can't really get it together for a couple of years? Probably. Or but, just that that's the plan. Sure. But for me, having gone through the experience where all of a sudden, bang, out of the gate, an expansion team's really good. I, I can't write it off that it won't happen again. The, literally, the same thing. Vegas, yeah, their defense is pretty good. They've got some veterans up front. Good goaltending. Who's going to score? Mm-hmm. And they went out and went to the Stanley Cup final. It, it's hard for me, being someone that was immersed in this year one, to think that it can't happen again. Do you think fans outside of Vegas and Seattle are cheering for Seattle or rooting against Seattle after what they saw from the Golden Knights performance over the last four years? So I I feel like that's a very complicated question to answer. Uh, Seattle as a city is one of those, like, I, I love Seattle. I, don't, I, I, I think Seattle's beautiful. I, I think it's... It's the, uh, engaging. Like, the amount of success the Golden Knights have had is, I would assume, infuriating to a lot of other teams and yeah. a lot of other fan bases that have not been as successful in the last four years. 
I think that there are there are a lot of people that are hoping Seattle can do what Vegas did because then that, in a way, tries to diminish what Vegas has done. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get that side of the coin. People say it's so there's expansion rules. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. But but then that's another that's another notch in the belt of the expansion rules were better and you were gifted a great team and that's just how it is in these, nowadays. Um, but then I, I think that there's a lot of people that don't want to see Seattle succeed because they want their expansion teams to be bad and they want to see their teams go into Seattle and win a game seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's nuanced. I think there's a lot of, of, of fans that are conflicted because you went and stole a player or took a player and now you've got another team in the league and you don't want them to be better than you. Like right. if, that's if the, the that's the part. The, if you're, you're like, the Buffalo Saber, if you're a Buffalo Saber fan, like it, if Seattle is better than Buffalo at the end of the year, that's gotta hurt so bad. Who's in better shape right now, Seattle or Buffalo? I mean, Seattle. Like at least they've got a player. They don't have a player that they can't trade. Some decent prospects, decent players on Buffalo. I think Seattle's going to be better sooner than the Buffalo Sabers. Wow. That's uh, that's saying something right there. Yeah. Big statement uh, from Ryan Wallace in the VGK Insider Show. When we continue, it is 1 October. We will reflect on uh, the happenings of the terrible tragedy at the Harvest Music Festival uh, and pass along some memories and some uh, stick taps to first responders, uh, plus news and notes from around the National Hockey League in our uh, one-timer segment in which there's some big news coming out of the city of Vancouver as we continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. We have news on two of the restricted free agents playing for the Vancouver Canucks. Contract terms have been met between the two sides, and Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes have agreed to deals the particulars ryan wallace are interesting so elias petterson three years 7.35 million average annual value takes him to 2024 25 he will be a restricted free agent at the end of the deal and then you've got quinn hughes six years 7.85 million dollars average annual value and that will walk him to UFA at the end of the 26-27 season. So two different terms. Yeah. Now one's a forward, one's a defenseman. Balancing that out. But it's Quinn Hughes who gets the longer term. You surprised at that? Uh, a little bit. Um, because I think... Also gets more money per year. He, he does. I, I'm a big Quinn Hughes guy. I love the way he plays the game. Uh, you look at this cap hit, you look at the, the ability to lock him up for six years. Not ideal that you're walking him to unrestricted free agency, but you're, you're locking him up for what I imagine is going to be a very, very uh, productive point in his career. Uh, and I think that for, for teams to, to kind of continue to move in the right direction, you need elite fantastic creative defenseman and that's exactly what Quinn Hughes is this is a commitment to to shoring up and making sure the back end for the Vancouver Canucks uh, is is good 
And I'm a little surprised that it wasn't Pedersen with the longer-term deal. But I think that's just because we put a premium on forwards. We put a premium on elite playmaking uh, centers with wicked shots. And, and I guess that's kind of the, the big thing for me is I, I was surprised that Pedersen was the bridge deal and Quinn Hughes was the longer term. Let's focus on Hughes. Young, dynamic defenseman. Mm-hmm. Top 10 draft pick. A player with incredible skill. A little smaller in stature, but incredible skill. Yeah. His deal falls short of uh, Miro Heiskanen mm-hmm. at 8.45 and Kale McCarr at $9 million. Falling short by a little bit yeah. in that he gets 7.8. So he's a million two behind McCarr and he's half a million behind Heiskanen. Fair? Does he, does he slot in to that area? I, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's so hard. Like, Kale McCarr is such a special player. Mm-hmm. I don't think Quinn Hughes is that far off, but I don't think he's in Kale's stratosphere yet. Right. right? So I think this is probably, from from a from a dollars and cents perspective per year, this is probably what Quinn is worth right now. I think he's going to be worth well well above this 7.85 at the end of the contract. I think he's going to play himself into a situation where you're talking about Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, and it's kind of a short list there. Without getting into the weeds of the Vancouver Canucks salary cap issues, and, and there's some, and they were the reason why it took so long is because there's complications with other deals coming up and buyouts, and et cetera. Uh, is, is this a, a win for the player or a win for the organization in the second contract is a, a six-year, $7.8 million contract. So I class, I'm going to classify this one as a win for the player because this, again, as I mentioned, it walks them to free agency, right? And, and you get you get an opportunity to make, I think, what's, what's fair market value right now. And he's going to hit at 27 years old in the prime of his career. And I think that next contract, whether he stays with Vancouver or whether he hits the open market, it's going to set him up in a great, great spot to make a lot of money on that next one. Uh, win for the organization short term. Uh, win for the because, player long term. Yeah, because of what's going to uh, allow them to, to live off of in year four, five, and six of the yep. deal. Now he's, with all due respect to Quinn Hughes and his talent, this second contract, making 7.8, is overpaid. But you get into year four, five, and six, <laughs> and it's a really good deal yeah. if he continues that progression. Yeah. Lice Patterson, that's an interesting one. Three years, and he's just over, what, $7 million? 735. That one scares me from the organization standpoint. The player. I think is underpaid now, but because contract, uh, Calder Trophy, uh, he's, he had some bargaining stature there, yeah. uh, comparables to come in with. I understand where the number got up that high, but for this stage of his career, that's a lot of money. But but he, but he gets the term that that he that he wanted in the sense of in three years, if he has, so he's had two great years yeah. and then one injury plagued here. Yeah. If he has five of possible six great years, 
boy, the world is his oyster. So the thing, the thing that is interesting when you, you know, not as you mentioned, not getting into the weeds of the salary cap for the Vancouver Canucks, but a three-year bridge deal for Elias Pettersson, it puts him in a really, really good boy. spot to cash in because a lot of that money is going to come off the books, and hopefully there'll be some smart decisions made with, you know, Brock Besser and, and really kind of an understanding of. In 2024-25, you're going to have a big number for Elias Pettersson. You're going to have to figure out a way to make it happen. You can't, like, you have to operate based on what that next contract's going to look like now. With Quinn Hughes, you kind of kick it far down the road. But with Elias Pettersson, he's putting himself in a prime spot to to come off the books when there should be more money available in Vancouver and giving and himself... the cap should be up And the cap bit. should be up, and it gives him an opportunity to play himself into a massive, massive contract at the end of this one. Uh, so two different approaches. Mm -hmm. I, and I wonder if Pedersen had the option of going long-term with a bigger money or, or using how, how they played that off. Uh, I believe CAA Sports represented both players in it, which is an interesting uh, negotiation. Brady Kachuk, you're on the clock. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen soon. It's positive and progressive. So 8.8. .8. Mm -hmm. Sorry, 8 for 8. Yeah. Has, has what's been talked about for Kachuk all along. This didn't help him. No. In a comparable. No. But I don't see him softening that at all. I I mean he he shouldn't he shouldn't you know, you, you got to stand firm in your negotiation right like there the circumstances aren't apples to apples it, it, so I just kind of think that if you're Brady Kachuk you you dig in you're you're kind of already in it right now no need to. To, to kind of soften your stance when it comes to uh, what you're negotiating and what you think you're worth to the Ottawa Senators on the ice and, and off the ice in the community, potentially as the face of the franchise. It is 1 October. Uh, several uh, events held in and around Las Vegas today to uh, mark the anniversary of the uh, tragedy from four years ago. Your thoughts, what you've been through, we reflect on this every day. Uh, whether you were here in Las Vegas, whether you were uh, around North America, around the world, this was uh, a horrible event that that everybody watched uh, just with their hands over their eyes and afraid to to see what was going to happen next. It doesn't make even four years later doesn't make it any less uh, impactful. Yeah, I, I mean it's. It's a, it's a weird thing to kind of reflect on, but, you know, the, the, lasting, the lasting impressions that I have from 1 October are, are not necessarily what happened on October 1st. It's, it's not the actions. It's not any of that. It's how this city, how this community came together on October 2nd. It's, it's how this community decided that they were going to just do what they needed to do to take care of their own. Civic pride was everywhere. And you felt connected to this place in a way that many people, I don't know, did before, but they do now. And it runs deep. And, you know, for me, I'm always going to remember the humanity and the love and the support and the coming together of people to make sure that their city started to heal and started to heal the right way. I've heard that said before, not, not necessarily as eloquently as you just put it. But it does feel, and, and I'm, I was from the outside there and now experiencing the uh, anniversary 
ceremonies that uh, that that occur every year uh, firsthand. It does feel like this became more of a uh, a small town, hometown type feel uh, in, in the aftermath of the shootings. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I you you know the the thing about Vegas is if you spend any time here, you know that it's more than the strip. You yeah. know that it's more. Uh, there's communities, there's kids, there's schools, there's parks, there's a lot of different things to do. And, you know, I, I've talked about the Golden Knights and, and this team being in this city as illuminating that a little bit, shining a light on the community that is Las Vegas outside of just the destination that Las Vegas is for a lot of people. And, you know, in the aftermath of 1 October, I think that beyond just having sports, beyond having something in common to root for, uh, the commonality was that we're all here. We're all from here. And the narrative out of this tragedy is that Vegas is united. Vegas is strong. And Las Vegans take care of their own. And, and that, to me, again, is, is going to be the thing that every year on 1 October, I'm going to sit back and reflect not on what happened that day, but, what on, but, but on what happened after that with this city and how it came together and how it's grown since then. But it also is a great reminder of the bravery and the selflessness of the first responders and citizens yeah. uh, helping their, their fellow citizens, uh, whether they were tourists or whether they were they were people from, from the Las Vegas Valley. Man, uh, there, there was a lot of heroes on that day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've got family in law enforcement. I, I've got family that dropped everything and went and went into um, a situation that they, they didn't really, you know, know. And, right. and a situation that was dangerous and, and scary. And they did it because, you know, that's what you do. And, and you, you find extraordinary people in those moments. And, and there's no shortage of tales of extraordinary heroism from that night. And, and those are the things that need to be celebrated. And it did create a bond with this hockey club yeah. and the city yeah. that had yet to play regular season game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, that, that night was a, a Golden Knights preseason game against the San Jose Sharks. And, you know, you, you start to kind of think about the, the fact that the Golden Knights were playing on the strip that night and, and timing being what it is, you, you, you know, you, you kind of move away from it. But... With, with the Golden Knights in the community, blood drives, reaching out, and just being available, just being there mm. and visible, I think spoke volumes. And then you are able to kind of turn it into a cathartic moment with Derek Englund and his speech and, and bringing it all there and the emotion of that night. I mean, it... Vegas born is a, is a slogan, but it's real when it comes to the Golden Knights in this city and, and how that marriage has just been so perfect from the beginning. You're going to have Derek Englund on the show tonight? We are, 6-15. Free game show. Interesting individual. Veteran guy, older guy. Mm -hmm. Never done anything like what he did that night. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to – that will be – no matter what happens with this franchise, when it celebrates its 50th anniversary, that will be a top five moment that night. I mean, it, it's it transcends hockey, mm -hmm. and and it's it's a moment in time. It's 58 seconds, but it's a it's it's a 58 second speech that 
started the healing process. And, and I think that there was something so perfect and emotional about that moment being kind of that, that moment that you get from Derek and the Golden Knights. And, and I mean, I was in the building and I, I had a struggle to articulate it because it, it's just, it was just a perfect moment for Derek the organization and this city to move forward sometimes the words themselves from Derek is uh, all you need uh, you don't have to go any further down the path than that uh, those are your one-timers those are your news and notes from around the National Hockey League and those are the thoughts of one October as we continue on the BGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas we're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Golden Knights up against the Los Angeles Kings. Coming off a uh, Kings victory last night in Salt Lake City. Vegas will try to respond tonight here at T-Mobile Arena. Pre-game show with Ryan Wallace coming up at the top of the clock. Right now we turn it over to Chris Chapman for catching up with Chapman. You know, guys, I, I, I like to keep this segment kind of light and funny, but I'm going to be serious for a minute. Um, I saw some things last night on social media that kind of disturbed me, and I just wanted to get them off my chest. Listen, you don't have to love Robin Leonard. You don't have to like the team trading away Marc-Andre Fleury. That's fine. That's your right as a fan. But when I see people on social media attacking him and his his struggle with mental illness it makes me sick it makes me want to vomit listen if you are one of those people that's doing that and you feel like you need to tweet that you're not a good person we don't want you part of this team you're not in the club in fact you should probably distance yourself from the franchise if you are one of those people because i saw a lot a, a bit of it last night when he got injured and it, it really it really made me mad to see because it, it, it's uncalled for, and you are not a fan of this franchise if you are one of those people. I sat down with Robin Leonard this week, and uh, it, it was a fascinating conversation. It'll be released on Monday on the on the Chirp podcast, and a wide-ranging interview. And we talked about the, the pressures of, of playing in this city and, and finally being in a great place, though, with the contract and the number one job. Uh, at the same time, and I think you'll be you'll be really interested to hear his reaction to to my statement that he he's finally at the best place uh, that he's been, and he still takes it as a huge challenge to go out there and perform right now. It's not okay. Things are great. Uh, I'm in a good spot, and I'm going to just try to continue on. He considers this a yearly challenge to be the number one goaltender for this franchise. I think I think that's a great thing, Chapman. That yeah, I mean listen, I, I, I like players who feel like they need to challenge themselves every year and, and you know they feel like like Robin Leonard doesn't strike me as a guy who's content now that he's the number one goaltender for a team that's gonna compete for the Stanley Cup. Like he strikes me as the kind of guy who wants to be the very best at all times because he wants to prove a lot of people wrong and I feel like he he kind of strives off of the haters and and I think that's that's kind of a good thing as well because you don't want him to be content you don't want any player to be content 
with where they're at. You always want guys to strive to be better, and Robin Leonard strikes me as a guy who always wants to be better, who wants to be the very best at his position. And I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I, I don't like people who are, are really super engaged in social media and and then people go go after them like i have i have friends i have uh, uh people that i that i know that uh that that are tied to it and that uh that follow it a lot and we've had discussions going back years about how much we should be checking our, our phones like there was a period when when i was with uh, with sportsnet where i tried to go through an entire night without picking up my phone and and checking twitter just to avoid that kind of stuff because it, 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 it sucks you in. And, and Robin follows it a lot. Um, I, I w- I'm going to be honest, I wish he would check Twitter less just because it, it, those, those people have that voice. But let's uh, let's uh, hope that, uh, that he recovers from the ailment and he's back on track and he gets off to a fantastic start and everything is uh, just perfect for Robin Leonard to begin this season. Uh, thanks to Chris Chapman for uh, keeping us on the air. Thanks to Jeff Rubino for making sure that we are uh, taken care of well here at uh, T-Mobile Arena during the rehearsals. He just jumps into action and uh, and moves those levels and makes sure that uh, you can hear us perfectly. And thanks to you for listening. The pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Vegas and the LA Kings is coming up next. Enjoy the game, everybody, and have a great weekend.